Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, Content Marketing Manager at clearancejobs.com. And today I have cloud computing and IT security expert, Mike Gibbs, who is the CEO of Go Cloud Careers. So in 2013, after a successful career with Cisco Systems as a lead IT architect, he founded GoCloud Careers, an educational organization focused on helping individuals achieve their dream tech career. So today we're going to discuss how to prevent AI from replacing jobs and leaving people out of work and the benefits of human touch in those tech jobs and what skills are really needed to not get replaced by AI and where all that is going in the future. So Mike, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm so happy to be here with you. Excellent. So you had a successful career at Cisco Systems. You served in a senior leadership role as the lead IT architect. So tell us a little bit more about your career and really what led you to founding Go Cloud Careers. Absolutely. So about 25 years ago, I was a nurse practitioner practicing internal medicine. And when I decided to move into technology, I took about $30,000 of technology courses and I got six or seven different certifications. And when I applied for jobs, absolutely no one cared. So at the time I had done some research, I spoke to 50 recruiters, one in every state of the country, and I asked them, what is the perfect network architect? And they told me, I developed those skills. Six months later, I had an IT architect position at MCI WorldCom, which was the world's largest internet service provider at the time. A couple of years into that, I actually started coaching people. And I found that I loved getting them hired. But I had the wonderful opportunity to work on Wall Street and design architectures for the largest banks in the world. I had the opportunity to lead for Cisco and consult with countries. And I've been in the architect world now for about 25 years. I love it. And I love helping businesses improve their performance with technology, which is what I really like. Technology is a tool that can do wonderful things when used properly. I started this company for the following reasons. I was actually coaching a friend's son, and I had suggested he take some training from someone else, and that what I was going to do was coach him on top of that to augment his training. And when I saw the kind of training he actually got, and I sampled the market of what training was like in 2019 compared to what it was like in 2001, I realized what was out there was teaching the skills of yesterday. It was teaching only the hands-on how to build things without teaching how things worked, how businesses could apply them, and how to use these tools to improve business performance. And I wanted to see if I was correct. So I interviewed a thousand uh, people that had an Amazon Web Services certification. I asked them simple, basic architect things because they had all passed an architect certification. And zero of the 1,000 actually knew anything about architecture. They knew about systems administration, They knew about the names of all these proprietary services, which we couldn't use with our customers in the first place. But what they didn't know was how to be an architect or how to build a technology career. I formed my company and very quickly, almost overnight, I had students that were working at Amazon and Apple and Cisco and IBM and Microsoft and Google and Accenture, Deloitte, KPMG, Capgemini. And now almost every day I get a student that gets a prestigious job. 
I did it because I love helping people build technology careers. I love technology, and I think it's the best job in the world. Sure. Well, and like a lot of our audience, pivoting careers, I mean, going from an NP to working in technology, I, I know that that is a struggle with a lot of our service members that are transitioning out. And the bulk of Clarence Jobs listenership are active duty service members that are maybe transitioning soon or veterans. So let's talk about the benefits that Go Cloud Careers provides to those service members. Absolutely. And we've got a tremendous amount of experience working with service members and people of all background. First, you know, we have to thank all the service members for their service. Uh, I'm so thankful for everything, what they do to make our lives the way they are. Now, when you come from a military world and then you find yourself in the civilian world, there are a tremendous number of skills that the military personnel have. They have mental toughness and they won't quit until they win. They can take direction and they can work in teams in an incredible manner. And that is such a strong asset. But in a tactical environment, we typically use something called command and control leadership. I need you at XYZ coordinates at this time. And people know how to work with that. And if you're a firefighter or paramedic like I used to be, if you're a warrior, you need that because you need to be diligent. I need you here crisp and clear. Unfortunately, in the civilian world, when we try command and control leadership, it often fails. So what we do is the following. First, we teach the skills for the career. And then we teach all the professional development skills that people really need, not just to get a basic job, but you know, our average student gets about $150,000 to $170,000 job upon graduation. And you know, in order to have that, you need some leadership skills and some executive skills, and we teach that. We also have to teach how to transition from command and control to leadership styles that work in the civilian world, whether they be affiliative or some other time. Now, because I used to practice internal medicine as a nurse practitioner, and because I've lived the life of a tactical athlete, you know, our lives are riddled with stress. And we've included a tremendous amount, and we, we actually did it for civilians and then added more for the, the military, and then we've included it for the following reasons, of what I like to call emotional and behavioral control tactics. So we integrate cognitive behavior therapy, and we do that for the following reason. Normally, it helps people, if we can control our thoughts, we can control our emotions, and it helps us stay calm under pressure. But it's also fairly helpful for people that have any degree of PTSD. To talk about to adding breathing exercises and meditation exercises, we use many. One of the ones that we actually use, many military people, specifically in the special operations community, are familiar with is called box breathing. And we use that because it can help calm people. We've integrated yoga because uh, if you're carrying around, you know, 200 pounds of gear and you're rucking with it, you know, 15, 20 kilometers a day and you're running around with it, you know, there's going to be a degree of arthritis. There's going to be a degree of injuries. And, you know, statistically speaking, back pain and arthritis pain, yoga can be almost as effective as medication. So we actually add that to keep people calm. It also helps with PTSD. But it also makes our tactical athletes feel better. And we've had many warriors that have gone through our program that said, this has changed my life. It's also assisted with our PTSD. And then we deeply discount our program to the point for military U.S. veterans that our training is less than two days pay for our average graduate salary. And we do that because we really want to celebrate the warriors, change our warriors' lives so they can have a great civilian career to match the military service that they've done because we really need to thank these wonderful people that are out there protecting us. 
Sure. Well, that sounds like a really great holistic approach to job seeking post-military and gaining the skills necessary to having that successful career as a civilian. And many of the employers that you listed previously are veteran-friendly employers. They have employee resource groups that are comprised of veterans, helping other veterans and military spouses. And they're also partners of clearance jobs as well. So you know that they're kind of working in the cleared space. I'd love to move on to your thoughts on artificial intelligence. And so I think I'm under the school of thought that AI is actually going to create jobs. I think that we've seen in past decades when new technology comes out, it creates jobs. And I think that we see that in the cybersecurity world currently with the amount of openings and not enough candidates to fill them. But AI continues to take over those career headlines. And so how can we prevent AI from replacing jobs and leaving people out of work, in your opinion? Great questions. And AI will both create jobs and it will destroy jobs. The key is to be on the side of things where AI can't do it. We train cloud architects, enterprise architects, and soon we've got another really exciting architect program. But we used to have an engineering program. About a year and a half ago, we stopped selling our engineering program, and I'm going to tell you why. It doesn't matter where someone, for example, certain careers like cloud engineering can be done anywhere in the world. Software engineering can be done anywhere in the world. DevOps engineering can be done anywhere in the world. And what's even worse is artificial intelligence can do most of those jobs today. And that's prior to seeing the results of, say, Microsoft's $10 billion investment, what NVIDIA is working on right now. So the key is getting out of jobs where you're in the back, where someone's staring at a computer screen or coding and configuring. Getting out of jobs like blog writing jobs or really any job where the technology of AI can automate it. Now, here's how we protect ourselves. AI will create architect jobs, and an architect is someone that takes all these various technologies, whether they be cybersecurity, cloud, artificial intelligence, and ties them together in a cohesive strategy to improve business performance. And these roles are customer-facing roles and their sales roles. Now, why do we like these? IBM cut 7,200 positions, and then they laid off another 8,000 people, and you know what they didn't cut? They didn't cut customer-facing positions, architect-type positions, because they are irreplaceable. Now, the types of engineers that will survive, some of them will still be there, are going to be the ones that have very good communication skills, very good leadership skills, executive presence, and emotional intelligence. So the great thing about AI is it is not human. And if we move to jobs that require human intervention, an architect needs to sell, for example, and they're there. A sales rep needs to sell. A people leader needs to lead. It's actually our humanity that, that, that gives us the opportunity. So anytime where we have to communicate with people, anytime where we have to lead a team, anytime where we have to sell, for example, anytime where we have to go somewhere and develop a relationship, entertain a client, that's how we stay out of it. So it's shifting from these jobs that can be automated to migrating towards jobs that can't be. And we can see examples of what happened in the past. You know, we had, we had new technology that took people out of their jobs, say, bit manufacturing, when technology could do some of the manufacturing itself. Now, it also created new jobs for creating automated manufacturing. So it will create new jobs. AI architects we see as a huge opportunity. And uh, any kind of cloud architect is a great job. A cloud security architect is a great job. An enterprise architect is a great job. 
The cloud network architect does a great job, and we focus on those in our organization. And we stopped working on engineering careers about a year and a half ago because we really are concerned about the future of engineering. Yes, we'll still need some engineers, but I can write a code right now in 30 seconds with ChatGPT, and that's basically free. With really good generative AI, we can do things. In fact, I agree with the CEO of NVIDIA that many said in five years, everyone will be a programmer. And by that, when the CEO of NVIDIA said that, they meant you just talk to the computer and ask it to code. So all we need to do is move into careers that can't be replaced by technology and we'll have a wonderful, wonderful career. Sure, makes total sense. And it's about staying up to date on those skills just a couple years ahead. Um, I mean, on clearancejobs.com alone right now, we have thousands of cloud architect positions in the cleared space alone. I know obviously in the commercial sector or private sector, there are many, many more. And I think that we've seen with AI, you referenced ChatGPT, in the recruiting and hiring space, you shouldn't let AI alone work in the hiring process just due to potential biases. So I totally agree. It's about finding those jobs or those skills that this AI can't replace. And so let's talk a little bit about the benefits of human touch and jobs that maybe companies or listeners should be thinking about? Yeah, so anything related to human touch. And what I like about human touch is if you actually look at most jobs, specifically in tech, there's a major variation in pay between the people at the bottom and the top. For example, a principal architect job at Google, average pay is $508,000, but the pay range is 394 to 677. A principal architect at Microsoft, you know, average pay is about 378, but you're really talking about a 300,000 to $500,000 job. And what is the difference between the top paid and the bottom paid person? It is leadership skills, business acumen, and emotional intelligence, and how well they, well they can perform on the interview. And when you go to salary.com, you see the average salary of someone with business acumen is actually $558,000 a year. Why am I mentioning this? The key is those are the skills that cannot be replaced by AI, by any stretch of the imagination. These are human skills. Go talk to a CEO, find out their business problems and create a cohesive strategy to improve it. Working with that chief information officer to find their needs and creating a strategy to help them execute. So the key is being human, not using ChatGPT to create a resume, or anything like that, because it feels synthetic when the hiring manager looks at it. It may pass an application tracking system, and then the hiring manager looks at it and says, I'm not gonna interview this person. They're not, they just think, because it doesn't capture them. So we're out there, we love AI, we think AI is fantastic, but it's all about celebrating your humanity right now. So I encourage people to move into project management roles, to work and move into sales roles, to move into architecture roles. And here's the really exciting thing. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs and there's no one that can actually do them. So we hit this supply and demand curve where we've got scarcity in people that can actually do the job and extreme demand, which is why the average salary of a cloud architect is $218,000 a year. And we've seen with our graduates, people getting $150,000 jobs and $400,000 jobs as well. And I say this because the service members with their work ethic, with their integrity, with their ability to execute, these architecture jobs are perfect for them. And they're perfect for, I mean, I think they're the greatest jobs in the world, but you know, these are really great jobs because we are human. Now those coding and configuring jobs, that stuff is automatable. 
And while there's still some jobs there, and there'll still be jobs for the most elite, most of those jobs can be replaced. Most of what programmers do today is to go out there and they look for source code on Git that somebody else made, and then they fix it. Well, we can we can leverage any AI to create the code for us. In fact, I have non-programmers creating programs with ChatGPT and other AI tools all the time to just show to prove the point that this is a job that's automatable, and that's why we show people that I don't want them to focus on those skills. They're the skills of yesterday, not the skills of the future. Cybersecurity is another phenomenal career. Again, we recommend the cybersecurity architect space as opposed to the engineering space because we feel in the future, it'll be a lot easier to tell a firewall the rules we want and have it auto configure itself. But these are the, world, the roles that we really love right now. Okay, so becoming an architect certainly sounds like a good next step for engineers listening. Uh, developing that business acumen can also help you land a lucrative job and focusing on those skills that cannot be automated by technology. So for other job seekers listening, what skills are needed to not get replaced by AI? Great question. So as we look in the U.S., we may have a low level of unemployment but we also have an extremely low level of employee productivity. In fact, most of the economic gains we've had over the last 50 to 75 years have been through productivity enhancements, a worker that had technology to support them, for example. And very recently, we've seen a massive drop off in, employer, in employee productivity. People just aren't getting the jobs done. In a recent LinkedIn study, they found that 52% of employees are doing the bare minimum and 17% of employees are actually working against their corporate interests. Now, I'm not going to say people are not good people. I'm not going to say anything related to that. These are statistics that are just out there. But employers are screaming for people that are willing to work and willing to work hard. So these are the things that employers typically look for. First, somebody that can actually do the job. Then somebody they can actually trust. Then someone that's energetic and enthusiastic and passionate about the work. So people that are out there Volunteer for projects. Get excited about their career again. They're looking for people that have good communication skills because good communication skills increase the quality of outcomes, but they also prevent conflict. So develop one's communication skills. They're also looking for people that know themselves, know what they know and know what they don't know, and that avoids weaknesses. They're looking for great team players, and they're looking for people that are willing to go above and beyond. So if we focus on being better, if we focus on enhancing our communication and our leadership and our presence, if we focus on doing a better job and asking our managers, what problems do you have so I can go figure out how to solve it? Those people never get laid off. In fact, in the tech community, we used to all follow the Jack Welch philosophy of lay off the bottom 10% every year. Most organizations aren't doing that these days, but still, when they do lay off, they lay off the weakest talent first in most cases, unless they have to cut a division. So the key is going out there and doing a better job and showing our team we care. That's how we stay relevant, no matter what the industry is. Excellent points. And I think that all of our listeners are going to find that they can apply those points in their own job search, especially if they're running into roadblocks in getting getting the phone screen, getting an interview and actually landing the job. And so let's close out this conversation with where do you see AI going in the future? And maybe what sort of pivoting are we going to have to do in the next 10 years when it comes to job seeking? So where do I see AI going? I see it going a few places. I see it creating a tremendous amount of writing and textual based content. 
I see chatbots that will be video video assistants that we can actually talk to, and we can ask a questions. Uh, please book an airplane flight for me. Please add this to my calendar. Remind me in this method. Please do uh, do these tasks for me. I also see AI analyzing data in large quantities and helping organizations and people make better predictions for their life. I see AI taking a bigger place in investment banking. I've been using AI for upwards of 20 years with investment banking. AI is not new and and creating systems that would trade automatically. I see AI being in a position where it can drive cars. And truth be told, in the future, I see AI in a position where it can actually fly airplanes and do things like that. I see AI in a position where, you know, it can really automate any of the repetitive tasks that we have. And I see AI merging with robotics to enhance manufacturing, to speed up home building. And I'm even seeing some robotics being used in the food service industry where it's bringing food to people because they're struggling to find people. So I think AI is out there. It will be a boom for those that know how to master AI. It'll also be a threat for those that are not trained in AI or don't work on developing those skills that makes them special and makes them stand out. So I encourage everyone to learn AI. I also encourage everyone to go out there and try to be better, communicate better, lead better, learn to sell. Go out there and build their brand so other people know what they're good for and what they're used, what they're, they can do well, what they can be useful for, the positions that they can hold. And I really want people out there to build, be them best selves because this AI will create enormous opportunities and the people that take advantage of it will have extraordinary careers with incredible earnings and a life that they're really going to love. But unfortunately, if people don't wake up and see the AI that's out there and the things that it's going to do, the things that it can start to do now and the things that it'll be able to do in the future, I don't want them to be replaced. I don't want it to look like the rust belt inside of the U.S. when manufacturing got shipped overseas, people were really in trouble. And we can either play this and win or we cannot play and get lost. The technology is here. There's no way to put the genie back in the bottle. And I want people to benefit from it. Thinking about AI touching all of our critical infrastructure within our society is something that job seekers should learn if they want to stay up to date with the time. So Mike, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on technology careers, you can visit news.clearedjobs.com.